Hi everyone. For about half a year now, Vanessa Champion and I have hosted this podcast on green living. And we've done dozens of podcasts on all kinds of aspects of green cities, biophilic design, about being outdoors, about health, about walking in nature, about better food, about many, many other subjects that are all about green living, which is more, let's say, closer to your individual experience of all kinds of environmental issues than what I do with Alistair on the Thursdays. Um, which is more about the bigger issues like climate change, So, as I announced yesterday, Alistair and I will a bit of a break in the next months from podcasting. And we'll pick up again in early August. All of us are uh, having holiday plans. I'll be hiking a lot. I'll be away from Wi-Fi. And it's just too complicated to do. August, we will regroup and, um, and give it a new boost. And input is uh, highly valued, as always. Um, so I, I, I hope that you're with us again when we pick up in August. I, it will not that I will not completely um, do podcasts. I might do uh, sometimes some short ones during the walk if I find a good connection, if I find Wi-Fi. Um, I will just tell you about where I am and what I'm doing. Um, but the more deeper content um, kind of analysis and the interviews with experts, all that I will pick up again uh, later in um, in August. So... Um, yeah, we'll look at the themes, the setup, the lengths, the frequency, the kind of guests we have, interviews, uh, the way how we will work together, uh, all kinds of aspects. So unfortunately for today, uh, Vanessa can't join us for the same reasons as next week. Others uh, need her help more urgently these days, um, but uh, she'll be uh, she'll be back again in uh, in August as well. So I'll do this uh, last one before the summer break. And I want to do a bit of a recap of many of the, the kind of greener living issues that we've discussed in the past half year. But before we go there, um, this week is for me a bit of a transition between the hard desk work of the past half year um, and those 107 days of travel that has already started. And I must admit that I found it hard to travel and keep my work up at the same level in the past few days during your uh, filling in your tax form on an iPhone is, for instance, not very easy, I found. Um, so that overlap uh, culminates in this week, where I have to do a lot of work, but also traveling a lot. And after this week, I will focus much more on the travel. And of course, I will keep you updated on, on all kinds of social media. And that means for you uh, that you will notice that the travel experiences will become the main story to share with you as uh, and then plan in August for more happy stories, stories about nature, stories about local history, etc. And then by the time that autumn sets in, we go back to the normal issues uh, about climate change, etc. But I'm considering focusing more on uh, solutions and innovation, but that is something to, to work out by that time. So before going to the, the sustainable living part, uh, let me first tell you where I am and what I see. I'm hosting this podcast right now from Bonn in Germany, uh, where I'm in the United Nations office, a high tower next to the river, uh, river Rhine. I'm on the 
21st floor right now. I can look really far out of the windows. And I left a meeting that I'm joining because it focuses on, on wastewater management. And um, it will continue tomorrow as well. So I'll stay here one more night. So looking out of my window, I see the seven mountains, uh, the Siebengebirge, um, or called the Sieben Mountains or the Seven Mountains. It's a hill range um, that you see in the German uplands in, on, on the east bank of, of the Rhine River. So that's I'm, I'm looking southeast now from Bonn. And actually, when I count, I can count seven hills, but if I count a bit more critically, I can count more of them. And uh, there's actually, some people are able to count 40 hills. So it depends a bit on... Um, on, on how you count, what do you really call it, seven hills. These are, this is an ancient uh, volcanic area uh, of about some, some 20 million years ago. Uh, much of the territory that's covered in this uh, Siebengebirge is part of what is called the Sieben Hills Nature Park. And that's an, an environmentally protected area. It's beautiful for hiking, actually. It's not very high. It goes to up about 460 uh, meters. And it's beautiful for hiking. And as I said recently, I used to live here in 1998. I lived for four months in Bonn or just outside of Bonn in Bad Kodesberg. Uh, replacing a colleague who was on, on pregnancy leave, so that's why I was her own month, so that I was hurt or anything, it was just very, very both. And um, so, let's now step back from my broadcast. I guess about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, when I was just arrived on the Dutch island, um, which is, as you know, my, my base this summer, um, you may remember that I was talking about the dunes that I often share in my photos and videos, and I then explained the name Zeepedune, and I said that Zeepe sounds for Dutch people most like soap. It's the first thing you think of when you hear Zeepe, because the word Zeep is uh, soap in the Netherlands. But the real origins had to do with a verb, an old ancient Dutch word, Zeepelen, Zeepelen, uh, which you would nowadays spell as sepalen. So it's the Dutch word for water seeping through the sand of the dunes. Listen to the sound seeping, sounds like zeep or like sepalen. It's all, I mean, this is English, seeping, but it's all derived from basically the same old uh, words. So it's water seeping through the sand of the dunes. Now now back to my view here from, from the 21st floor of the building of the United Nations in Bonn. Looking at the seven mountains, uh, uh, seven is, of course, for Germans, is sieben. So there it all comes together. So although it is often translated as seven hills, um, sieben is, is just modern German for, for seven, and Gebirge means, means the hill range, um, there, it is likely that actually, also because there's actually 40 hills and not seven, uh, that there's different theories why it was called Siebengebirge. So one could be uh, that uh, there are points where you can stand along the Rhine and you actually count seven hills, but yeah, just move a few hundred meters up or down the Rhine and you see more or less. Um, so uh, that that 
landscape probably hasn't changed uh, over the years since people gave it the name. But uh, the number seven is also connected to magic. Uh, and it's, it has a highly symbolic meaning. You see seven hills everywhere. Rome was founded on seven hills. And, and the number seven often pops up in all kinds of, of, of saga and old tales. So uh, it, 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 it could have been because this was a bit of a frightening area for people centuries ago because it was very difficult to get through that there was a lot of mystery about the forest. But then back to what I just said on, uh, on the history of those dunes in the Netherlands, the word sieben is derived from the Dutch word sieven and that comes from the middle low German word siepe, which means a wet depression, or it means like a little stream. So the verb siepen means to trickle and to drip. So there it all comes together. You have this old verb siepen, which you find back in English as seep, seeping through, and in Dutch as seipe or seep. Uh, it all sounds close to the word soap, but it's actually about seeping through, and in German it is also sieben, the number seven. So the name Siebengebirge um, is uh, uh, also possibly connected to the fact that you had soap boilers. There's where the soap comes back in, because you were not allowed to produce soap in the valleys because boiling soap smells really, really bad. And I can um, say that that is true, because when I still did chemistry lessons at high school, we had to make soap. Um, mine was a complete failure, because it ended up as grease, so basically <laughs> practically the same product, but with the other effect that it sticks to your fingers. Uh, whereas my um, uh, classmates around me were... Uh, much better in chemistry and actually they made soap but they also made a horrible smell so this was a long um, uh, uh, a long talk far away from what I actually wanted to speak about but I thought that um, uh, some of you might actually be interested uh, in this kind of uh, knowledge which I personally find highly interesting but I know that it's not very valuable because you don't get much further in life knowing these kind of things it's just fun uh, to know about it. So let's move to the real theme of today, which is about living more green and more sustainable. And I just want to summarize some of the issues that we covered in these six months. And I really regret that Vanessa is not here because normally we kind of play the ball to each other and we comment on each other's comments. And I'm sitting here all alone on this high tower of the United Nations watching over the city of Bonn, that is no longer the capital of uh, Germany, it was never officially the capital, but which was the de facto capital in the time of the Cold War. And when uh, all the government offices, most of the government offices moved to Berlin and all the embassies moved to Berlin, the city of Bonn didn't really know what to do with itself, how to reinvent itself. And one of the things it did, it attracted all kinds of international organizations, including the UN. So, for instance, a lot of the climate negotiations are taking place here in Bonn. I was actually part of one of those uh, many, many years ago um, when I was uh, still here. And um, Alastair, by the way, uh, wrote me an email seeing that I was in Bonn, and Alastair advised me, uh, a good place where I should drink a beer after work. And I found out in the program of uh, all uh, people that are uh, joining today in this meeting that actually in about an hour we go to that place next to the River Rhine 
which is a kind of beer garden or something. So you can find me there if in case one of you is in Bonn. So um, what should you do to live more sustainable? I mean, what were the kind of things we discussed this year? And just uh, to mention one is um, buying your own shopping behavior. Try to buy more sustainable. It, it's it's one of the things that we spoke about. It's just when you go to to a local shop or a supermarket, just think about everything that you are buying. Buy local, for instance. So buy local fruit. Try also to support uh, your the local community by buying local. But it's also that it, the food doesn't have to be transported. Another one is I'm not sure if we really went into that, but when I'm saying buying local, this just pops up in my mind. That is, um, in the 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 clothes that you buy, just buy sustainable fashion. I mean, some people buy secondhand. I must admit, I don't do that or hardly ever do that. Um, but at least in the kind of choices that you make in uh, in in the, in the kind of clothes that you wear. Um, so for my hiking, some of the stuff I bought is from Patagonia, for instance, because Patagonia is a company that really takes sustainability uh, seriously. And um, so that is something that you could do as well. Another one is, um, and I know that we mentioned that at a certain moment, that is about repairing things. So that is like uh, more... Uh, live in a sustainable way by if things broke down break down try to repair them or let them be repaired uh and in, instead of throwing it away now i know that with a lot of products they're made in such a way that if just one tiny electronic part or something breaks down that you have to buy a completely new uh, machine of whatever it is but some of them are produced in a way that they are more repairable and actually uh, the European Commission is working on that that you have a kind of right to repair just to get rid of this kind of throwaway society that we're all part of so that is that is something to whenever you buy something especially with a bit more complicated stuff than just a clothes or something make sure that it is um, that it is repairable and that is I think a trend that might come up much more, and I, I it's not very big yet, but I, I think this is something that will grow in the years to come. Now, another thing is um, buy organic. Um, in, uh, but there the problem is that strangely, organic, which is organic food, is basically produced in the way that we did it hundreds of years ago, which should have been the old-fashioned way, which should have been cheaper, in practice, I find that organic food is often quite expensive. So that is, if if you can afford it, try to buy organic. As uh, somebody who's a food expert that I once spoke, uh, she said to me, she said, "Okay, then maybe by the end of your life, you know, you you spend a bit more money on on organic instead of you know the mass-produced stuff with all kinds of uh, of, of of chemicals used." And uh, she said, okay, then you have to spend a bit more money, but you're, it's just better for not only the environment, also for your own health. It's worth the investment. So I don't always do it, but I am increasingly doing it. It depends a bit on my finances, to be honest. Um, 
And another one is try to reduce waste. And a, a, a major way you can do that is to look at uh, the amount of waste that you bring into your household when you do your shopping. So just uh, get a paper bag with some apples or buy uh, uh, just buy some apples and put them in your bag instead of putting plastic wrapped apples. I ordered recently a few things um, at uh, at Amazon. For instance, uh, I ordered a new backpack uh, that, that uh, very recently arrived. So this backpack is made in such a way that it's very sturdy. You can throw it in the hold of an airplane. You can just you can travel around it all the world. You can go up the Himalayas. But still, Amazon believes that this backpack is so breakable that they put an amount of plastic around it that is that is absolutely absurd. What what a waste of plastic that I just immediately threw out and 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 had to throw away. I think there should be laws against this because this is, uh, the law should maybe say that this plastic should be paid for because somebody somewhere is going to take care of this plastic and why should the bill be somewhere else? The bill should be at the one that is putting it in. So um, those were just, just, just a few thoughts. I think another one that we often spoke about is uh, the food and eating uh, try to eat more sustainable and um, of course uh, we spoke i've been and i still am quite outspoken about meat consumption um, there's basically three reasons for that i mean one is um, the environment uh, the uh, the amount of of um, CO2, the amount of greenhouse gases in general, it also includes methane, for instance, uh, that result from the producing of uh, animal-based uh, food is enormous. It's also, you have to think about the, the waste of, uh, of tropical rainforest, especially uh, the ones in, in, in Brazil and in Latin America, um, a lot of that is not about cutting wood, that we need the wood. Um, it is not about cutting trees because we need to grow food for ourselves. What we are effectively doing is cutting the forest so that we can grow soy that we then put into the cows and then later we slaughter the cows and we eat the meat. So there's a factor of uh, 32 times the amount of energy that you put into a cow compared to the amount of energy that you take out of a cow when you're eating it. So it is an absolute waste. It's a destruction of rainforest. It's a destruction of our climate. If you are eating especially beef or to a little bit lesser extent sheep, which most people don't eat, I guess, who are listening here. Um, but the least you can do is reduce your intake of meat and move from red meat uh, to things like uh, like chicken, for instance, which has a much, much lower footprint. But why not stop completing because completely with meat? Because there's two other reasons. One was the environment. The second is just the harm that we are doing at an unimaginable scale to the animals involved. The way they are treated in 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 these factory settings, the way they they, they, they we're misbehaving against them. 
the fact that it is forbidden to film what happens uh, with these animals, um, the completely wrong picture that is given by um, uh, putting a picture of a happy smiling cow or pig or whatever on uh, on meat packaging. The whole idea that we don't speak about dead animals, but that we talk about meat. We don't do that to apples. You know, an apple that grows on a tree is the same apple that you buy in a shop. But a cow that lives in nature is, as soon as you're going to eat it, given a different name, so you don't as associate it with a cow. And for those that do, they put on a smiling the cow. The cow isn't smiling. It is consistently tortured and... Uh, it's, uh, children are taken away as that is giving milk. Third reason I could go on for a long time. I am that I'm living in a country and that I have friends around me that are massively eating meat without thinking about the harm that is done. I can't imagine why we get so upset when people are hurt, but why we don't get upset uh, when, when, when animals are involved. I just don't see, of course I see a difference between humans and animals, but I don't see it that it is just something that you can, you can just forget about uh, as if it doesn't happen. You, you can't say that you didn't know what was happening. If somebody someday asks you about uh, all all the meat that is produced, and I think governments should really step into into this 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 abuse of animals. Anyway, the third reason here um, is your health, your own health, of course. I mean, report after report confirms that eating too much red meat is bad for you in many ways. It increases your chances of cancer. It increases your chances of of uh, heart diseases and all kinds of other diseases. So if you're not convinced by the first and the second reason, then at least be, con con uh, be, be concerned about yourself if you're not concerned about anybody else or about the environment. Just, um, just Google at it and, and, and you'll find uh, how, how bad uh, meat is actually for your health. So maybe that is another one. Then um, I focused a lot on the plight of of of, uh, of cows and of mammals, uh, but uh, there's something else that is uh, seafood. Um, I don't eat fish either. I have been at a certain moment. I was a pescarian that I I was a vegetarian, but I thought I can still eat fish um, for basically all the same reasons. Uh, I stopped eating fish as well. I thought it was a flimsy excuse not to do it, so I'm, I'm not eating fish as well. Um, but in a survey uh, two years ago, about 60% of the American people that are eating seafood, they agreed that uh, seafood should come from sustainable sources. Now, sustainable pr production of seafood is actually quite a diff difficult one. Um, but uh, you, can, you can at least you can look at the labels in stores and on packs and so. Uh, but a lot of these claims are actually completely fake or they are like i don't know if that is english in dutch we call that a half truth so although what they say on the packaging is in itself true um, it is completely irrelevant an example that i gave in, in in one of our podcasts in the last half year is if you buy tuna 
that on many of the cans of tuna, it now says that uh, this one is dolphin friendly. Now there's only one relatively small area on the whole planet where there's actually a problem that for catching of tuna, sometimes dolphins are involved. But in the 99% the of the rest of the oceans in the world, catching tuna is not interfering with dolphins. So if somebody puts on their can of tuna that no dolphins were hurt in catching the tuna, that is very, very likely true, but it's 100% likely absolutely irrelevant. So that is how they are tricking you into uh, being sustainable. And that is, by the way, a trend that is generally happening in all kinds of sustainability things. Sustainability sells nowadays, which is in itself a positive development. But the, um, uh, the claim of sustainability is op often manipulated in all kinds of ways. Uh, I remember seeing an advertisement that uh, you can now fly all the way from Europe to New Zealand and you can offset your carbon for just 20 euros. That is absolute nonsense. Literally taken, it is true, because you pay them 20 euros and they will probably plant a tree for you or something. But it doesn't mean a thing, because your damage to the environment is many, many, many more times than those 20 euros that you are paying. So it is, again, how the claim sustainability is uh, is fooled to, to, to bring you into... Uh, into buying uh, their stuff. So be careful in the choices that you make. You just f obviously know that flying to uh, New Zealand is not a good thing to do for the environment. I'm not saying that you are not allowed to do it, but yeah, be careful in the choices that you make. Maybe the Northern Alps. Uh, that may be uh, much closer by because they're in the middle of Europe. Um, another one we spoke about is uh, drinking of water. There's this absurd use of single-use water bottles. I remember I was once in uh, one of the least sustainable countries in the world, uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, it was about coffee time. And then before... Uh, they put on the coffee machines. They came in with about 200 little bottles of about a quarter liter each of water, and they were filling. They were opening bottle after bottle, putting that in the coffee machine, and then to make coffee for us. And all those plastic water bottles, all individually opened, being used to make coffee. I thought, what an absolute waste. Uh, of uh, single-use water bottles. Most, in most countries where the listeners to this podcast are living, you can just drink drink tap water. And if it doesn't really taste nice, which I experienced myself when I lived in London, where the quality of water is really horrible, just use one of those Brita filters. So that's that's like, uh, like coal, a coal filter. Uh, you replace it once every few months or so, and you have excellently good water. You just put it in the fridge, and you can drink that water. It saves you a lot of money, too, but it's also just um, uh, really, really much uh, much better. So, um, And it's good, it's good to drink a lot of, uh, a lot of water. Uh, you can maybe make it a bit more tasty by putting in some lemon or cucumber or some ginger or mint or whatever. Um, I normally have in the summer 
just I make water in a, in a big quantity by throwing in a few a bit of that stuff and it tastes much much better um, yeah and then uh, apart from meat and fish uh, what about other animal based products when I lived in London uh, staying with London this is 1990s there was the mad cow disease which was um, a, um, a prion related problem uh, attacking your brains, basically dissolving your brain cells. It's a horrible death. Um, and it was related to uh, the, the wrong uh, way of uh, slaughtering animals and, and, and also taking, taking care of, uh, of animals, of cows. Uh, but hardly anywhere... Uh, Outside the UK, did people die on it? In, in quite a few countries, it did appear, but the real problem was in the UK, and they made it a very nationalistic issue. Actually, British um, people really got angry at me finding out that um, I had some beef in the house. I was still uh, eating beef in those days. We talk about nearly 20 years ago now. We talk about more than 20 years ago now, 25 years ago. I was still eating beef in those days. And I brought some beef from the Netherlands because I didn't want to eat it. Um, but um, uh, that uh, led to quite aggressive reactions uh, that I was refusing to eat their meat, which is actually one of the moments that triggered me uh, for uh, getting rid of, uh, of meat altogether. Um, but why am I saying this? Because in that days, uh, I was informed that contain uh, meat that you are not aware of, and that is just so much um, uh, in, in, in all kinds of products that you don't expect uh, contain. Um, uh, con con contain uh, animal products, so it's 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 good to be um, informed about that if you if you want to uh, if you want to know more about it. And then there's of course things like more obviously uh, milk and butter and cheese. So for instance, the milk that I use is oat milk. I prefer the brand Oatly when I'm in Europe. Um, I can't get it in Canada. It is in the U.S. nowadays. I saw it in Colorado when I was there last time. Um, my butter, for instance, is uh, palm oil-free uh, butter. Um, so, yeah, and also think about when you eat eggs, um, you know, they are produced by the hands, but what happens to the male, um, um, what do you call them, uh, little, uh, uh, little baby chickens that are born, they are just murdered on the very first day that they are bo born. So. Not that the life of a hen is uh, is very jolly. So um, if you buy eggs, uh, maybe buy free range and make sure that it's a, it's a it's a brand with a good reputation. Um, more on um, what to do uh, on on food and eating, living sustainable. One is food waste. Food waste is roughly worldwide a third of the food produced now. The difference between the rich and the poor countries is striking. It's in both countries, in, in both kinds of countries. It's about the same, it's about a third. But in uh, in the developing world, we're talking about a third of the food never reaching the people because it's just rotting away in the harbors. It's just badly uh, designed logistical 
systems where a lot of things are are going wrong and the food just doesn't reach the people. In the Western world, it's still a third, but it works differently. It does reach the people, but it is then thrown away. Uh, in households are massively throwing away food, which I always find very difficult to believe, but that is the number. But another thing is, for instance, that restaurants are throwing away a lot of food. Because imagine you go to a restaurant and you order uh, something that uh, uh, they had not uh, expected that would be sold in um, in, in that uh, quantity that automatically means that something else that they had bought is not eaten on time and they have to get rid of it and a lot of that is thrown away. So that is uh, eating in restaurants actually uh, increases the amount of food that is uh, being thrown away um, probably unless you go to fast food restaurants, but don't get me started on fast food restaurants. Just to give one quote, I was recently driving from uh, my uh, Canadian home to New York, and I stopped in uh, in the northern part of the state of New York, which is a Trump land, uncompar uncomparable completely to uh, the kind of people you find in New York. And if I in that McDonald's where I stopped for the simple reason that there was just nothing else than a McDonald's. Uh, it was not only that they didn't have veggie burgers, it was just that it was practically impossible to find anything that didn't contain meat, which I found as a European absolutely shocking. Um, so uh, they didn't even have a salad, by the way, and normally the salads that they have are all filled with meat. So I ended up with some kind of sugary apple pie, which is not really good for for me, I suppose. Um, it's great to be back in Europe because the food is so good here. Um, that was all about food, but we uh, also um, we, we spoke about uh, shopping and we spoke about uh, plastic in some of our podcasts. I'm just trying to to recall all kinds of things that we spoke about. We also spoke about using uh, reusable bags that you bring to the store just just to produce less plastic. A number of on the plastic that I recently used is that it's predicted that by 2050 there will be more plastic in the ocean uh, than fish, which uh, should uh, worry all of us and it doesn't get the attention that it uh, it should get. Um, um, yeah, it's in, and then uh, also try to look for fair trade products uh, and, and, and sustainable products. Uh, you just, just, just be conscious when anything that you buy, just think a little bit about it, how it was uh, produced. Um, so it's, it's very simple. You just, at the end of the day, it's all about consuming less. Well, it, I always say the first thing you should do is vote for, for, for a party that takes these things seriously because ultimately we need more structural changes and what you can do yourself is relatively small, but uh, everything counts a little bit. So, so that's why in, in the podcast with Vanessa, we focus more on, on, on the individuals. Um, so also I said buy locally, buy locally produced uh, food, and related to that also buy food in the right season because it is it it tastes the best as well but it also makes sense i mean if you're eating in january you just have to think how have dean took 
tomatoes, tomatoes are these being, being produced. Um, so in the right season, eat the right food. Um, normally you can recognize it by the fact that it's more widely available and that the price is lower, which might be another reason to buy uh, the right uh, fruit and vegetables in the right season. Uh, it's also connected to all kinds of traditions that many people have forgotten about, but that in a certain season you eat certain foods. So another thing is, of course, palm oil. I briefly mentioned it already when I spoke about um, uh, the, uh, butter, that you have palm oil-free butter. But increasingly, you see now uh, products being labeled as palm oil-free. The palm oil problem is uh, mainly a problem of Southeast Asia, uh, where where we talk about countries like Malaysia and and um, uh, and Indonesia, these massive palm plantations that are created on uh, on the place where there used to be a rainforest is just causing so much devastation, and palm oil is in practically any product nowadays. So all of you listening to this podcast have most likely uh, been using already a few products today that contain palm oil. But I noticed increasingly, at least in the Netherlands, I didn't see it in Canada yet, but in the Netherlands, I increasingly see products being labeled as palm oil free. Yes, you pay a little bit extra, but it's worth it. So it's it's what I do. Um, so uh, what else do we have? Uh, traveling, of course. The main thing, try to fly less. I seriously try to do that now um, I I used to fly a lot I mean really a lot which has to do with my job um, and uh, it's but I I have just changed the way that I'm that I'm organizing my work and my flying and uh, so for instance when I'm on one side of the Atlantic I try to stay there as long as possible and then do all my traveling by train. So yesterday I went from the Netherlands to Bonn by train. Uh, tomorrow I'll be in a train again, and the day after that, and the day after that, I will, I will each of these days be traveling in train uh, on distances that I'm pretty sure that hardly anybody in Europe does that by train. Um, I must say it was not a pleasure yesterday, sitting in about seven or eight different trains, uh, for a relatively small distance, uh, a lot of it standing, it was really hot and sweaty. Uh, and in a time when the pandemic is not completely over, being close together with so many people was not uh, really a pleasure. Uh, but mostly I find traveling by train uh, ideal. And I just love to travel in that way. You see much more than when you are flying. And it is also that when you arrive at another place you feel that you actually overland got there instead of just jumping out of the sky and bang you're in another city in another place where everything is different another one on traveling is uh, public transportation right here in germany is now a fantastic initiative that uh, for this whole month you only once have to buy a ticket of nine euros which is let's say nine us dollars nowadays although uh, i have no idea what's happening today on the stock markets it seems to be a, a disaster 
um, which may also impact uh, the dollar to euro rate. But anyway, here for nine euros, you can now travel the full months for free on all local transport. Um, so it's it's uh, it's about ninety percent reduction of the cost. I think that is a spectacular measure to um, to get people from their cars into public transport. And when they get the feel for it after doing this a month, they might keep continue doing it. Um, so uh, boosting public transportation that is typically where government comes in. I often say this in these kind of podcasts and also in my writing, that the kind of environmentally, uh, the environmental problems that we are facing these days simply cannot be solved without government. We need more governance and not less. And yes, it should be good governance, of course. Um, so uh, then, um, yeah, your, your digital carbon footprint one off. Um, all these people buying Bitcoin, etc. Uh, but everything that you do online, there is a footprint to that as well, which many people are not really aware of. But it's 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 good to know. On the other hand, I plead guilty. I'm a lot online, as all of you know. Um, another thing that we were planning to talk about, but we didn't really touch upon. It might come back uh, when we are when we're back online in um, in our podcasting in August is growing your own vegetables and your own fruits and just taking producing your own food i used to do it as a child together with my grandfather in the garden i still got good memories of it it tasted better when i had grown my own food um, so it's something that uh, uh, that you can do um, yeah, another simple one is just um, uh, the coffee that you drink at work the less people go to work nowadays uh, but here in the UN, uh, all the coffees I drank today, thank you, by the way, for that, uh, were in uh, throwaway paper mugs. I was glad they were of paper and not of plastic. But still, why is it throwaway stuff? Why not just uh, washing it? And um, Which is something that I already spoke about. And when I travel in, in the US, and I, I, I normally stay in cheap motels when I, when I do these kind of longer... Um, road trips in the US and I've done quite a few in the past few years any motel that you stay offers a breakfast and everything there is throw away the cutlery and the plates and the, and the cups everything is throw away stuff and I find it incredible why not just have a kitchen there where they just clean things up as we do in Europe um, you do see a trend of these reusable straws of, or paper straws instead of plastic. Uh, but that is it's positive. But it's a tiny, tiny step, of course, of everything uh, that, uh, that you can do. So um, these were just some things that I remember that pop up in my mind of everything that I've, um, uh, that I've spoken about and that Vanessa also mentioned. We spoke about many other things as well, as I mentioned in the beginning. But these were just a few that I wanted to, to repeat and to highlight because you can make a difference. You can make a change. We are on this planet with about 8 billion people. But the people that are really producing all the pollution, etc., is people like you and me, the people that listen to this podcast because we live in the Western world and we just consume and we 
produce way more waste than uh, than people in much poorer parts of the world. So it is relevant if we make a change. And however short uh, this can uh, this can actually be. Um, so I think um, with that. Uh, I want to leave you with the Green Living podcast. Um, uh, I will be leaving you together with Vanessa for the next um, six weeks or so, I guess. Uh, where are we? We're now 13th of June. Yeah, that's about six weeks uh, when we hope to be back. But I will still be back uh, with a podcast later this week, likely tomorrow as well. Um, and that at a time uh, likely a little bit earlier than today, maybe one or two hours earlier, I expect to have a brief interval between the end of my meetings at the UN here and before I get into my train tomorrow. Um, and in that case, uh, I would uh, love to come back uh, to, uh, uh, to, to all of you. Um, in this podcast and um, I was touch with Alastair and we are going to try to do our podcast on Thursday as well. I'm not sure if I will have Wi-Fi or a good connection, uh, but we're going to aim for it. We will try to do it one hour earlier than normal. So Thursday would be uh, eight o'clock in European time. So that is uh, two o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time. Um, so those are the plans for the next uh, few days. Uh, thank you for joining also during the podcast, Albert. And hi, Willie. Good to see you as well. Um, thanks for the thumbs up. Uh, thanks, uh, Charlie, for the suggestion of looking at uh, uh, Wi-Fi or non-Wi-Fi. Um, problem was solved. Um, no idea what the bill will be for uh, for doing all this uh, from a different country um, in um, roaming instead of Wi-Fi. Um, I will find only out at the end of this month, I guess. Thanks so much for listening. Most likely, have a great day wherever you are. Bye-bye.